come with you to Alderaan. There's nothing for me here now. I want to learn the ways of the Force and become a Jedi like my father. Fortini! I find your lack of faith disturbing. Use the Force, Luke. Let go, Luke. You're all clear, kid. Now let's blow this thing and go home. I just assumed this was a I can arrange that. <laughs> I love you. I know. I am your father. All right, folks, welcome to the Man Cave Movie Review, the podcast that reviews the good, the bad, and the ugly of movies for men. This is episode 223, and today we're going to be taking a little break from uh, the usual format that we've uh, normally had where we talk about a specific movie. On this one, we're going to be talking about a specific franchise of a movie. And uh, just so you know, uh, the last several shows that we have done on the, uh, the Man Cave Movie Review uh Pre-show and post-show, which you guys have never heard, is usually us discussing uh, the Star Wars franchise. And obviously that has occurred mainly because of the uh, recent release of The Last Jedi. And there have been words exchanged between uh, the members of the Man Cave Movie Review. A lot of words. And now we would like to share some of those words with you. Now, not necessarily on The Last Jedi, although I'm sure that will be discussed, but just on the franchise in general because of its, uh, obviously, its impact on cinema, its impact on a lot of us because we were, um, um, we're, we're, we're within 10 years of each other pretty much in terms of, of age-wise. So uh, we, we were, some of us were coming of age, some of us had came of age when this movie came out. So it does have an impact on us, and we do have uh, some, I think, thoughts to say, uh, words to say, I should say. And uh, that's pretty much what this movie's going to be. It's going to be a little bit of a, uh, uh, a deconstruction, if you will, about uh, Star Wars. Uh, so without further ado, I would like to uh, introduce our, uh, our first guest. I shouldn't say guest, our first co-host of the show, uh, my good and dear friend, Ken. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Roni. Well, podcast or podcast not, but we'll try. <laughs> nice. And also... Uh, my thoughts on you know, the introduction of Star Wars, where did I come from? Uh, I'm the oldest of the gang here. So when Star Wars came out in 1977, I was about 20 years old, not quite. Uh, was a big reader, hey, Ken. big science fiction fan for the uh, books of those days. What? Hey, Ken, can I introduce the rest of the guys? Oh, I thought you wanted me to jump right in. <laughs> okay, go ahead. We'll, we'll talk to these guys later. I guess they deserve some attention. <laughs> Why don't we have a new start? We Ken? have a new start. All right. See, I've thrown everybody off with a new format. All right, and also joining us is our, oh my God, is our other good and dear friend, uh, Jeff Fortini Muncie. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I think the, the entire podcast community saw that coming. <laughs> yeah, um, much. Thanks, thanks, Steve. And, you know, and, and I, I noticed that um, 
Ken was, um, you know, gone for you know, a couple months now, so um, it's you know it's tough getting back on the uh, back in the saddle and, uh, and 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 riding again for first ride. But um, hopefully tonight's podcast um, it it may actually rival uh, the um, <coughs> the uh, Josh McDaniels uh, head coaching tenure at the uh, Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to go that long. Uh, it uh, might. It might. It could. <laughs> yeah, it well, is this going to be a five-minute podcast? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, we might. All right. Well, there you go, folks. You heard his voice. And uh, introducing our other good and dear friend, the Reverend. <laughs> Deuteronomy Skaggs. <laughs> Help me. Help me. You're my only hope. Oh, God. Well, there you go, folks. We have, we've introduced everybody. Everybody's in here. And um, I'd hate to make Ken have to uh, repeat what, what he started, but actually, he was ready to go. He, he was, he was, um, he had words. So, Ken, why don't you just continue, um, continue your thoughts or reboot your thoughts? Well, yeah. Well, like I said, I was about 20. I was a big sci-fi fan, but back then sci-fi movies were coming out of the doldrums we sort of talked about. You had some good sci-fi movies back in the late 60s, early 70s. Uh, I mean, uh, you had Star Trek TV show, but mostly Star, you know, science fiction was pretty bad. Uh, I've commented on this show before that, you know, about the same time Star Wars came out, that great science fiction movie, Damnation Alley got press as like an awesome sci-fi movie and damnation alley sucks i mean it's George part but it still sucks um so again i loaded up my brother in the old gremlin on the second night this was open and drove out and uh saw it at the old eastwood theater before there was any buzz or anything i we just knew like hey we saw a trailer it looks kind of weird so let's go see it um uh, i saw star wars i think seven times that summer when Empire Strikes Back, after we waited, I saw Empire probably five times in the theater. Uh, Return of the Jedi, I saw it once in the theater. The, the, when the uh, sequels came out, well, actually, if you remember, they had the, the one that wasn't between the sequels, uh, the original and the sequels, Lucas came out with that one, that recut of Star Wars where he just loaded it up with, you know, CGI effects. Right. Uh, I saw that once, and I saw the uh, each of the uh, sequels or prequels once, and I was very down on the prequels. Uh, you know, I thought Luke Lucas was like you know selling out his fans. He didn't have the same image. Uh, it seemed to me like the prequels were more just you know he he got deep into the technology of special effects and science fiction and modern cinematography with the new technologies. And it seemed like he just wanted to show off more than he, you know, wanted to really put out the movie. Uh, a major problem with me, because I'm old enough, I remembered, I was paying close attention to Star Wars when it first came out, is that Lucas was very big on this idea that this, this whole thing was a vision that he'd had since a young man. He had this master plan, this long story arc, multiple intersecting characters. It was all ready to go. He just had to film it. 
And then it became apparent when he did the prequels. Well, that's not really the case. He didn't have a master plan. Or if he did, he didn't execute it very well. And then the big Disney sale. Uh, again, I was very disappointed with the prequels. The Disney sale. What are they going to do with it? I, you know, I'm not going to say I was excited. But, you know, I saw they came out with uh, The Force Awakens. And we reviewed that, and I think Steve and I both gave it sort of mixed reviews, and Jeff and Mark said it was horrible, and I respect their opinions, uh, but I didn't want to see where they took it. Because one thing is, I mean, at least in my opinion, these new Star Wars movies, technically, they're beautiful. I mean, they put lots of resources into it. The cinematography is great. I mean, they get good actors. Uh, you can sit there and criticize various aspects of it, but Technically, they look great. Um, the effects are awesome. You know, the Rogue One came out. I thought it was awesome. We all gave, I think we all gave it good reviews. Yep. And it got me really pumped up that, okay, what's this next? I mean, they're, they got, they're on a roll. They got momentum. What are they going to do? And then I went and saw uh, The Last Jedi. And it is so disappointing to me. I think I mentioned to somebody, it's a it's like Prometheus did to the Aliens franchise. Only when they did the Alien, when they did Prometheus, they didn't like say, oh, you know, really Scott didn't say, I'm just gonna like crap all over everything and just like put stuff in just to like, you know, show my my viewers that they're stupid and don't get it. But it seems to me that's what was done with the you know uh, Last Jedi. Very disappointing movie in so many ways. But I'll shut up and let somebody else talk. Brian? No, I know you guys have got lots of words about this. <clears throat> no, well, if you've got just a few words, you go ahead. <laughs> it's just somebody's are munching away. <laughs> right. Because I'm uh, chewing. You know, I don't have it. I mean, look, I, I, I saw, as we all did, uh, summer of 77. Uh, it would have been my senior year in high school going into it. Uh, saw it once. Uh, we uh, we were somewhat isolated uh, in terms of where we grew up, so saw it once at a one screen theater in Richmond, Indiana. And uh, that same summer, I saw other movies uh, at a drive-in, but I won't go into that. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, when Empire Strikes Back came out, I saw that at the Eastwood Ken uh, in the middle of the day one day. I snuck off for Butler. I was a sophomore then, and. Uh, Saw that one afternoon. Don't remember when I saw the last movie uh, of the of the original. Uh, honestly, don't. All I can tell you about all the other movies I've seen since then, I've I've usually been with a little little ankle biter in tow, uh, essentially, or something along that lines. And that's mainly the reason I went. The first the first three of the uh, the, the uh, numbers one, two, and three as they've been numbered. Saw them that weren't very memorable. Uh, didn't care much for the characters. Uh, just detested the the Anakin Skywalker character. Uh, and then uh, these last two, uh, I guess, would be episodes what uh, six and seven or seven and eight. Uh, was kind of ambivalent to the one, the first one that came out. Uh, this one was just I, I, honestly, I don't know if I will see the ninth movie at the cinema. You know, I, I, I think uh, it, it's usually a Christmas event for our family, for the boys when they come home. But to be perfectly honest, 
if it doesn't come out over Christmas holiday, or if nobody's coming home, I'm probably going to be like Michael's. I'm probably just going to wait for it shows up on TV or something because I've just kind of given up on it. It's, it's horrifically bad. Um, I mean, just unbelievably poor. Um, I mean, and we'll go obviously into the reasons that said, it's like the rest of you guys. When I saw rogue one, I, you know, I'm like, Hey, wow. You know, maybe they can figure it out. But rogue one was rogue one knew what it was, I think. And these movies don't, uh, they don't know who their audience is. And I don't know that they really care who they are. I don't think they particularly care to be perfectly honest, but so that's it for me for the, for the moment. And we'll get into more details. I'm sure all of us will. Well, Jeff, I know you're uh, chewing on your uh, Thai food, so I'll I'll jump in and just pretty much let everybody know I was about 10 years old when this came out, exactly 10 years old. Still remember going to see it uh, at the theater with um, uh, high school or grade school best friend and my dad. <coughs> and just again, just I remember just being slack jawed throughout the whole movie. And I, you know, obviously I. I, I definitely was probably at the lower end of the tar- target demographic for this movie, but it definitely, um, or I might've been right at the target demographic, at least in terms of the merchandising. Cause I mean, I can tell you right now, I, I owned every piece of star Wars merchandise that you could imagine. And as a matter of fact, if I had half the shit today, I could probably retire now. I, I am not kidding you the amount of Star Wars stuff that I had. I still have some of my original Star Wars comic books. Um, that's still say 20 or 20 or 30 cents on the, on the cover. I mean, it's just, it's incredible, but you know, it's kind of like what these guys are saying is that, you know, you, you saw that empire was good. I start, I was at the age of, was I maybe 14? What the hell? When, when did, uh, return of the Jedi come out? Was it 82? So I was 15. No, I think it came out like in eighty, didn't it? No, no I think Empire Strike came yeah. back in like eighty. Yeah, it was oh, 80. I'm sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah so we're talking, I, it was every three years. It was seventy seven. Empire, yeah. oh, so eighty three. So I was already a sophomore yeah. in high school, and by the time, and that was the thing. By the time I was a sophomore in high school, and when Return of the Jedi came out, I was already, I was already starting to get a little soured. Uh, particularly when they got on Endor and I'm like, okay, I'm waiting, you know, and that's like, and they've got teddy bears running around that, that I start, that's when I really started kind of like, what the hell are they doing here? You know, I'd already gone through, I still remember, you know, the Christmas special and you know, that, that really was a morale check for me right there as a kid uh, on the franchise. So, you know, that being said, you know, I, I still enjoyed it. I, I, I was excited when the prequels came out. And then I got very unexcited after I saw all the prequels, uh, you know, and there's, and it, I can go into like in depth about how I didn't like them, but I'm not going to, I'm just saying, obviously they're just not good. And I, and I am, <clears throat> I think I'm the majority opinion of the world when they say they don't like the prequels. So that being said, I'll be I, honest. I, I think some of the flaws in the prequels you can relate though to the new movies, but uh, you know, but we'll go back to that. Yeah, exactly. And and that was the thing. So like when Force Awakens came out, and there was like this big gap. So it was like what another almost what fifteen years. Uh, so Force Awakens came out, and I, I again I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. It, it it gave me a little bit more of that nostalgia from the original movie that I remember as a kid, and I think that was what really drew me in. So was it was it great? No. But I, I still had a, I had a good time with it. It was it was fine. Um, 
like Brian said, when Rogue One came out, I again, I almost had that slack-jawed look on my face as a kid because I thought, wow, now this is a good Star Wars movie. This is it. They've, they got their their shite together. And, um, you know, so again, I, I will confess, I'm probably the only one here I have not seen um, The Last Jedi because just on the reviews that I've heard, just talking to these guys, because, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty close. I mean, you guys, if anybody's been listening to us for any length of time, other than on a few occasions, we're pretty much within, um, like a point on a, a point or a point and a half on our reviews of these movies. So just based on what these guys have said, I am in no big rush to go out and see it. Um, but part of it is, is I think because I've now gotten to the age where it's not that I don't like Star Wars movies anymore. I'm just, it's just, it's just not my go-to thing anymore. It's like, I just don't really care. Um, and I know that sounds probably harsh and terrible when it comes out on streaming or whatever, or if I can run it for like, you know, three ninety nine, I'll do it then. But, you know, I'm not paying, I'm not paying a cinema ticket and, you know, dropping 20 bucks for popcorn and, and all that other stuff to go see it. So we'll get into a little bit more of, of, of those kind of thoughts and feelings on star Wars. But, uh, I think Jeff's uh, done eating his, um, uh, his Thai food. So. Uh, Jeff, what I, do you, what I, do you, I am, but uh, don't let that stop me. No. Or you. All right. Hey, thanks, Steve. Um, I, I being the uh, junior in this group, um, you know, I was, since it came out in 77, in May of 77, I was five. And I remember my dad telling me, you know, we're going to go see a movie. And then it was a little bit unusual because I remember getting to the movie theater, uh, which was the one down there. It was um, um, the Keystone Cinema down there off of uh, um, on the south side, the one we went to um, get the book signing with um, Chuck Bruce Fenway. Campbell. You guys, you guys weren't a part of that, were you? I was not. Kent. No, I thought Ken was. But I, I used to go to that theater a lot when I was a kid. Yeah, that. So the Keystone, uh, the Keystone Cinema down there, down the south side of Minneapolis. I remember walking up. It was dark. You know, I'm you know five. I can't really read too well, and I sure as heck didn't know what the heck Star Wars was. And so I remember sitting down in the theater, and I remember the crawl coming on, and my I was like, Dad, what was that saying? So my dad read it to me, and then, and then I mean, I I can still. I think almost like an out of body experience picture myself sitting there. Um, and when, you know, the, the little ship came on the Corvette, I was like, Oh, cool. And then, and then you saw this other ship and it was going and going and going. And you, you, it was something that it, it was a, a first in cinema and it really, it was a great way to start a movie. Um, and as you guys have been, said and many of you have seen far more older sci-fi than i have you know my exposure to science fiction was star trek on sunday mornings with my dad and it just really never did anything to me because it was far more of a uh, of a play than anything really super sci-fi so um you know you know i go to you know go to watch this and you've got you know lights and explosions and you know these crazy ships that you've never seen and these you know weird creatures and um, and you know, exotic lands. And it, I mean, as a five, six year old kid, you're, I mean, it's, it is, it was besides, you know, it, it was an assault on the senses in a pleasant way. It was, it was just a, a spectacle. And, and I could, you know, and, and, and 
it, it's as time has gone on, I still absolutely, absolutely love that movie. Um, you know, there's, you know, it, it is science fiction theater. There's, there's nothing truly hardcore sci-fi about it, but you know, it's, it's a, it's a production and it, and, and it did what it meant to do. It was entertaining and it was exciting. And you had these, you had these, you know, young, vibrant characters who just, just popped on the screen and you just loved it. And of course you had the musical score to go with it. I mean, it was, it, it is, it, there's a reason that it still captivates people to this day. When uh, the empire strikes back came out, um, you know, I was what, three years older. So I was like nine or 10. And, and that's where I learned about a concept called spoiler, because I remember being on the bus riding home one day and some jack wagon classmate of mine decided to tell me, did you know that Darth Vader is Luke's father? And I'm like, what, what the fuck? I'm like, what the, what up? Hey, God, no, no, he's not. No, he's not. He's not. In the, oh yeah, he is. It says in the movie. I'm like, oh, God, no way. And so it, you know, it was that, you know, like uh, that was my introduction to spoiler. <clears throat> so, and then, you know, I was, um, you know, whatever, um, 12, 13, when return of the Jedi came out and, you know, it's, you know, I was, uh, I was still at that, at the right age to see it. Um, and, and I, I, I think even at that time, I just, I sort of ignored the fuzzy teddy bears. It just was something that I was, that was not my part of the movie. You know, I enjoyed the rest of it and yeah, in the, in the end it was tough to ignore them, but you know, it was the rest of it. It was like, you know, you're, you know, this is, it was the anticipation to see the kind of the closing of the story. And it was, you know, you were, you were wanting to know how Luke was going to, that was always my focus. How's Luke going to turn out? What's going to happen? You know, you got Darth Vader and the emperor and, and, you know, and, and seeing that, that classic scene of, you know, the, you know, the redemption of Darth Vader. I mean, it, you know, it was, it was very impactful. Um, it still is. I mean, it's still, you know, it, you know, when you, when you break it down and it's the story of Darth Vader in a sense and his redemption, I mean, it, and how, you know, it's, you know, he's really, you know, the guy that the whole series focuses on. Um, it's, it's, um, and, and that's what I, the one thing I do appreciate about George Lucas and we'll, I'm sure we'll get into some of the other craziness of, of his, but as, as far as a, to me, as far as like uh, the story goes and it goes for this and the prequels, he has a great vision for a story. He, 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 he does a great job of trying to, you know, you know, tell this long overarching story, but where he gets jammed up is, is, is putting all the right pieces in their place. And that's where sometimes I think I just get kind of disjointed with it, especially in the prequels, even though I still think I like you guys, I was, God, I was in my twenties when the, and I, I remember I went and saw the, the episode one, three times first time I went and saw it and I was like, Oh my gosh, it's new star Wars. I was really excited. And I was like, okay, I want to go back and see it. The second time I went back and saw it, and I thought I think I need to go see it a third time because I, I think I was trying to convince myself that it was a good movie <laughs> and I went and saw it a third time. And I was like, Ugh, I don't, I don't know. I just don't know. I still think that the first one had one of the best villains next to Darth Vader. Um, and, and, and I think it really starts us, seeing how George Lucas 
and 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 subsequently Disney doesn't understand or has a tough time knowing how to develop new characters or how to how to I don't know how how to make them survive more than seven lines into the movie. Um, um, individually, the the movies are are tough to watch at times. I totally agree with I think everybody's assessment that Rogue One is 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 one of the more solid productions that that series has produced. And and in my opinion, I mean, it's probably one of the more solid movies that came out that year, or maybe in the last couple of years from when it was released. But I'm going to get into the whole Disney thing. And, you know, there was a lot of caution um, thrown out when Disney took over. There was a lot of optimism, but there was a lot of caution. And I think, I think those, those, those cautionary people are, are starting to become uh, more right and I'll, I'll get into my theory on why that is here in a little bit, but um, I, I, I grudgingly go to some of them. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic about the Han Solo story. I, I did see the trailer for it, and I got to say, I, I was not, I was not too turned off by it. Um, unlike the, the Last Jedi, which just never, I'd watch that trailer. 50 times with my boys and I could just never get excited about that movie. Um, so uh, it'd be interesting to see what you guys, how we deconstruct this tonight and how we can uh, just uh, pick it apart and talk about the good, the bad, and clearly the ugly. Well, thanks Jeff. I mean, that's, I, I think you kind of touched on a lot of the issues that we have on this one. I'm going to, I'm going to, kind of throw this out there and again you may look at me as trying to be a defender of disney but i think what disney's doing with this right now is they're not losing money on these movies i don't think any of these movies have lost any money i don't even think uh last jedi has lost any money uh, i could be wrong about that but it, it seems like they're still cranking out a lot of money and i i think i think one of the complaints that we have over this movie and I, I would say a lot of the purists, if you will, just don't like the way that this whole franchise is, is gone. And I'm just going to say, you know, one of the issues that I've always had, and and it's and it's something that I, I think I've come to realize as I've gotten older. Because again, like I said, I saw this movie when I was 10 years old. So watching it now through the eyes of a 50-year-old, I've got a completely different perspective on it. It's not to say I don't enjoy these movies. It's not to say that, you know, I don't like them anymore. But when I look at it now, <clears throat> you know, when you look at, when you look at the original, when you look at New Hope, I mean, you're, 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 like you said, your, your senses are overawed with the visuals, the, the music. And I, I still contend to this day that the, one of the main reasons that Star Wars is what it is, is because of John Williams, without a doubt. I mean, the music of this movie is, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's so iconic and it's a special effects, but literally you go watch New Hope now with our current eyes. Oh my God, it's bad acting. And when I say bad acting, we're talking maybe like a step off of porn level bad acting. It's, I mean, there's, there's two good actors in the movie, Peter Cushing and, uh, Ella Guinness. And I'll throw in C-3PO. He did a pretty good job. Too. <laughs> but everybody else has got awful. I mean, honest to God, I did 
just full disclosure, there will be an interesting intro. I've got a montage of Star Wars clips just to throw for the intro when, when I put this up there. And I actually was able to sit and watch a, a lot of the movie and it, and it, it really hit me even more as I'm watching some of these scenes as I'm like, you know, clipping through to try to get to a spot. And I'm like, oh, I want to watch this part. And I'm like, Oh God. I mean, I mean, did Lucas have any concept of how to direct somebody or was it, I honestly, it's to the point of, uh, you know, what the hell was the guy that did, uh, plan nine for outer space? I mean, it was literally like, Oh, that's good. Cut. I mean, really, that's really bad. And, and and it just, I, and, and like I said, I mean, I still enjoy it. I could still watch it, but you can't watch it with the same eye you did as a kid. Cause as a kid, you're just, you're just amazed at the, at the visuals and everything that you're seeing. And it's a great story. And it's like, well, shit, those guys can't act any better than Orson Welles. I mean, you don't know as a kid, <laughs> but, well, as, but as Steve, an if adult, I can jump in here, I want to sure. just, I just want to support one of the things you just said. And I, I think I may have said this story before, at least I know I've talked to you guys about it and, and I and I I can't vouch for its validity because God knows I wasn't in the room. But there's a classic story that when George Lucas originally shot this film, he he pre-screened it with uh, Coppola and Spielberg, who were part of part of his uh, class at UCLA. And I guess after they were done, they, I guess both of them, Coppola and Spielberg, looked at him and said, basically, "Did you not learn anything in film school?" <laughs> and they gave him a bunch of <clears throat> like constructive criticism and said, you know, and just said, you know, you've, you know, you've got to make these changes. And so he went back and made some changes. And when you, where, if, if anybody has not taken the time or had the opportunity to go out and seek. So, so they had a lot of great behind the scenes footage of this, of Star Wars being filmed, the original episode, New Hope. They had a lot, they've, they've got a lot of footage out there. And if you buy some of the um, many versions of it, a lot of them have, you know, behind the scenes footage and interviews and stuff. And when you watch kind of behind the camera and you watch the acting and the, and the sword play and all the fighting and stuff, Steve, you're exactly right. It's, it's horrendous. But the one skill that, George Lucas really has, and and I've 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 felt that ever since I can understand what production meant, is 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 his post production is excellent, especially given what he first shoots, and especially if you look back at the New Hope and you see what he shot, and then you see how he put it together, and then you bring in the score, and then you bring in the special effects, and how he was able to map that all out and put it together. To me, that's where his genius comes in and as a side note john williams is in town this weekend yeah. um and playing two shows that basically sold out in just a few hours jeff i just want to jump in and just say you know i'm not going to give lucas that much credit for post-production stuff about what it looks like because if you hear this show raw versus what i put up <laughs> then, then yeah, you yeah, would Steve's be, a master of the podcasting well, art. Yeah, Steve, that, I that, I feel that your your due has just not been given yet. But no, um, it has not. someday, someday we will we we will lament how your talent has uh, was was not appreciated in his time. Yeah, the last podcaster. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the, the last. last podcaster. 
That's when that's when Jeff's going to walk up on some uh, <clears throat> some hill out in uh, Tennessee with a pot with with a microphone and hand it to me, and I'm just going to smack him. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> no, but I mean that's kind of I mean those kind of my thoughts. I and it's not like I said I I just don't really get excited about the franchise anymore, mainly because. Um, I don't know. It's just maybe I grew out of it. It's not. It's not like a James Bond franchise where it's like I still look forward to a James Bond movie when they come out. I just and I and I think probably because of this is because there's just been such big gaps. You know, um, I mean, hell, what was it? Twenty friggin' years uh, between um, Return of the Jedi to the prequels, and then it was how many more years before Disney bought it and we had this. And and again, I mean, when I saw Rogue One, I mean, I went I. Didn't even go to the theater when I saw Rogue One. It was out there streaming one day, and I'm like, hey, I'm going to sit there and watch this. And I'm sitting there just, holy shit, this is a great movie. I mean, it's fantastic. It's, I mean, good actors. Everybody in there is a good actor. And it's just, it's a compelling story. It's almost a standalone story. You don't really actually have to even know the background of Star Wars to get into this movie. It, it's, it's, it's fantastic. And... I- Whoever wrote that, whoever directed it, they just need to basically contract these fucking guys, pardon my French, for the rest of the goddamn series because whoever did that nailed it. This is but it, this is it, what a, this is what this whole franchise should be on. I'm not saying that 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 storyline, but I mean whatever they tapped into, they tapped into something good about that series because the rest of it is and i agree i mean even with force awakens it's like it gave me that nostalgic feeling that but it's like you know the characters were just like i mean i didn't really care about any of the characters none of them well bear in mind you know the the uh the movie that we all liked was a very troubled production disney was freaking out at that movie and it didn't make the money, you know, that these most recent two movies have made. But it was a, it was targeted at an entirely different market. I, I, Steve, I will contend that none of the Star Wars movies are really that damn good. Oh, none. I agree. Uh, and I think the difference is, first off, when Lucas did the first movies, it was, you know, and, and look, I, I would totally agree that Williams Williams orchestration is brilliant. It just It just stands up. I don't care how you look at it. But to me, even the first Star Wars movie, when it comes out, came out, it was in terms of the 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 big ships and things like that. It was as if we had been watching silent films, and the first color movie comes out with sound, and you're like, right. "Holy shit!" Yeah, and 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 it left an impression. The story was good, but let's be really honest. Other than Ford and Guinness and, and the the leads in that movie most of them were just about as uncharismatic as could be and I, and you know there's a reason Mark Hamill hasn't had a big career the guy's got all the charisma of my big toe <laughs> i mean you know and I, I would say the same about fisher I, she she's never done anything for me and uh, by the way i would say the same damn thing about these new movies too by the way the leads in these movies don't do anything for me the first movie though had one, it was it was a huge splash, and it had a story. The most recent two movies have had to try to track that story, and and there's huge gaps, and there's things that don't make sense, and things that are you know that just don't flow. 
but and it, it becomes more glaring in that sense because the first movie, like I said, the first movie, you know, there's no backstory. You just kind of boom, you pop into it, and there's a galactic empire. And now this movie, you, you got Snoop or Snoop or whatever the hell his name is. He looks like Voldemort, uh, and it's like, well, where the hell did he come from? Well, nobody really explains it. Well, he's the uh, he's a uh, all ruling powerful guy. Well, they kill him like it's just, like he's a piece of shit in the movie, um, and it's just you know it's, it's deflating. But I do think the problem in part is. Not just Disney, but Lucas doesn't know who he's trying to to make a movie for. Right. If you look at the the prequels, you know it, it's a ten year old pod racer or a seven or nine or six or whatever the hell he is in one movie. By the third movie, he's mass murdering people and killing kids, and it's like, well, shit. Are the same people going to watch that first movie? Which you know you only went there so you could watch. If you're a seven year old, you could watch a seven year old beat the shit out of aliens and stuff in a pod race, which was god awful. Uh, but, you know, okay, you're appealing to kids and semi-literates and morons. Great, super, that's fine. In the third movie, you're slaughtering people left and right. It looks like a third Reich movie, you know? I mean, <laughs> so what the hell's going on? And I would say that's part of the whole schizophrenia about the new movies, too, is that, well, it's a kid's movie. Well, is it, really? I mean, it, the, it starts out where they slaughter a whole village full of people, kill every man, woman, and child. That's a hell of a kid's movie. So what's your, what is your audience? I mean, it, 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 you know, they want to switch it over to a younger generation. Of, I assume of kids. I hope of kids. I, I, God, I don't know. But but it's it's confused. I just don't think they know what their freaking market is. I mean, you can make a movie that can appeal to kids and can appeal to adults. But it, let's be honest. I mean, some of the stuff in the prequels is just brutal at the end. Uh, but again, at the beginning, it's 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 like. Freaking! What, what, what in a third movie with the, the little tiny bears running around? Whatever the hell they were. It's it's that stupid. Plus they have the what's the who the Jamaican idiot in that movie? Uh, I mean it's it's just awful. Uh, but but again, I think it's they're confused. You know, they the special effects they get it right, all that kind. Of, but special effects have caught up. You can do that in anything. You know, you could you could make Damnation Alley. You know, again and with better special effects. You know. And so again, I really do think the problem is they don't know who their audience is. They, they're they're confused as to it, and and hence you get schlock. And we won't even go to the whole political message because you know that, that's another thing entirely. But but I just don't. They're poor movies. I don't know if they were ever great movies, um, but they at least knew what they were at the beginning. <clears throat> yeah, I've got to jump in and I got to fight back just a little bit here. But since they're saying they're all schlock. Gotta disagree. Again, the first two, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, were very, had a big impact, had a big impact on me. I mean, I really loved them. Lots of my friends liked them. Um, Part of it was because Lucas, back when he started, with the help he had and everything else, was able to put out a story and a look and special effects and the music and the whole package that really appealed to me. And, you know, and I'll say, you know, it really, if you have to say a core, the original core was teenagers and, you know, you know, adolescent kids and beyond. Uh, it's a trope, but it's, I think it's a fact. Lucas, by the time he got towards the end of that series, he'd got married, he had kids. You know, and he got all focused on, well, I got to make, you know, got to make this more kid friendly. And that's where, you know, Empire Strike, or rather Return of the Jedi goes off the rails. 
because you have these first two setting up a sort of a dark, you know, serious storyline. And then all of a sudden it's like, again, let's have cute teddy bears doing cutesy stuff. Uh, again, I was very disappointed. I was disappointed with, I mean, you know, back that's like, okay, that's good. Also, I got to back up back in the seventies and eighties. How many trilogies were there? Nowadays, they're a dime a dozen. I mean, every you know, every third movie that comes out is part of some series uh, because that's how Hollywood works now. But back then, it wasn't. Back then, it was standalone movies. And the idea that you're going to sit back and wait, you know, years to see another one. You know, I can, I mean, simultaneously, you know, I like the Clint Eastwood uh Dirty Harry stuff was floating around. That's the closest thing I can think of contemporary that was a series. But you're sort of right, not sort of, you are right, that once you got past the original three, it comes down to who are you making this for? Uh, Lucas, I, you know, he had all sorts of pressures and motivations to make the prequels. But I still remember watching that, you know, that documentary, The People Against George Lucas, which is a very good documentary. If nobody's seen it, if a listener hasn't seen it, get it. It's on Netflix. But, you know, Lucas has all the money, all the people, all the sets, everything lined up to make the prequels. He's been talking about it for years. And then he's going like, well, I don't have a script. I got I to get a script written. And it's like, well, okay, everybody come back on Monday and I'll write the script over the weekend. And he does. They have a picture. He walks in and goes, oh, I got the script. You know, he's waving it in his hand like, you know, Neville Chamberlain coming back from, you know, Munich. Or something. <laughs> and Peace in our time. Peace in our time. And it was just this, you know, that got me realizing, I mean, the guy did evidently have an idea where he wanted to go, but it's awful sloppy if you spend 20 years getting ready to make your next oeuvre to not have sat down sometime in the meanwhile and like, roughed it out uh and then i mean we need to like just take a whole section and talk about disney and what disney's doing well hang on uh, hang on steve or hang on kim before we get there i want to i want to if i can jump in and i want to i want to oh, yeah, yeah go ahead i want to i want to i want to throw some i want to throw some support your way because i i agree with you you know if if the question is what makes a good movie if you ask a hundred people, you know, you're, you know, you're going to probably get, you know, three or four different groups of people. You know, for me, a great movie includes, you know, a, a half decent story, um, you know, at least actors that I care about, if not characters. And I'm fine with character development. Um, and then I wanted to, and I think we have, I think we're all in the same boat that we want something that looks it doesn't have to be flashy and 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 overstimulating, but it just has to look good on the screen. I want to see something that's going to have just some some rich detail and some um, uh, good lighting and and good cinematography. That's you know it's, those are the things that, to me that make a good movie. And when I list when I when I have those as a checklist, you know, the, the like you said, Ken, the first two movies absolutely checkmark all of them. Quite honestly, the the third movie does the same thing um, because you know yeah the Ewoks are not my favorite. No, I don't think that it makes that's the reason it, it definitely falls down to third or fourth on the list of my favorite Star Wars movies. But it's still a a, a a you know that 
that that that trope of a space opera it it is operatic it is uh, just this swashbuckling adventure that you're watching and i and i love it Steve, you know, what, oh, go ahead. On, sorry. Steve, Steve one time framed it. Hey, Steve is as much shit as I give him in my life. He, he, he actually has some, um, some, some, some good thoughts every now and then. Um, <laughs> Thanks, the one that he, and, and, and he, him and I talked about years ago was, was the whole JK Rawlings, Harry Potter series. And that was a series that was written over, uh, um, you know, about 10, 12 years, I think, maybe less, maybe about eight to 10 years. Um, where, where you, you see the story evolve, um, and you see the characters grow and you see the story go from this innocence to you, you, some of your char- favorite characters are dying in the last book. Um, and that, 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 that marks, um, you know, there was a period where a group of kids started at the, at the, at the right age and then aged with the series, but you sure can't read that book series to an eight-year-old within the course of a year, because in that year, that one eight-year-old has now gone from this, this innocence of the story to death of characters and darkness and it doesn't it doesn't transition well that leads us to this whole star wars thing um where if you look at it in the time frame that it was actually done see what the the lens that we look at it in is oh my gosh if you sat down and watched all these movies back to back to back to back to back oh it's terrible right we we don't know you know you don't know who these are all written for because it jumps all over the place but to me there's a sense that if you looked at four, five, and episodes four, five, and six, you know George Lucas had a story. Um, it was then evolved in Empire Strikes Back. A couple other creative people came in and took over with you know directing and, and writing and stuff. And then George Lucas took it back over with the Last Jedi, not Last Jedi, Return of the Jedi, where where he clearly by this point had really pushed all of his chips in and went all in on capitalism full into capitalism and said, you know what? I know who I'm making these movies for now. I'm making these for the kids. So they will buy my damn profit or my damn products. And I will become a multi-billionaire. That's, that's what his motivation was. And he saw it. Um, and that's why we have a lot of criticism for it because you could see, I'm going to go ahead and say this. I won't lump you guys into it. Uh, his complete sellout at that point, because he realized what he wanted to do and who he was going to market these for. Um, now the prequels, I, I don't know where, you know, the, again, it was, I think it was just a cash grab opportunity. There was clearly after watching those, you clearly understood that he had no backstory. There was no vision. Right. It was all a lie and it was made up. And I, I didn't know that. I, I don't think I knew that Ken that, you know, that basically he had no story, wrote it in a weekend, which you can. I can clearly believe because it it now looks like he wrote it in a weekend, and I know we'll get to it. But my biggest problem this is this is my whole problem with the Disney thing, and and I and it started on the day one of the announcement. As soon as they said we've acquired the rights to to the uh, to the Star Wars franchise, and the next line was, "We are going to crank out a movie every year." 
And when you put an arbitrary time period on it, like, we're going to do it every year, and then we have to stick to it. And then whatever shitty product we have, we have to go with because we're going to do this on this timetable. And when you take art, which is not art, all right, Disney is trained, they've also understood the whole um, capitalistic machine. You know, we have art, you know, in the early 1900s that they produced, those things that people will remember for forever. And now they've realized, God, we, we've got every time we release one of these movies, we're going to make a billion dollars. It's, it's not about the story, the art, the movie, the integrity. It's, it is now clearly about money. And yeah, they will make a ton of money for a while. At some point, they're going to realize how much they screwed up, and I'm going to guess they're going to reboot the series then. Well, I, Jeff, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if they're just – when they say they're going to do one every year, well, you know, everybody has a timetable yeah. of when I'm going to put something out. That doesn't always work. So no. I'm, I'm not going to sit there and say they're going to crank out one every year. No, no, you don't have to. They've said it. Oh, I know they – They've I know they done s- it. But, but, but if you look, they said they're going to do this this new trilogy. Um, and so The Force Awakens came out two years ago. The Last Jedi came out this year. Um, or I should say 2017. They've got the Han Solo story. Such an original title. Um, and then 2019, they're going to come out with the third of the trilogy of this new schlock that they've come out with. So when you say that, you now have to go with this time frame. And when you have to go with this time frame, you don't have time now to go back and go, hold on, let's push the pause button. Let's revisit this. Let's look at the story. Let's do some reshoots. No, you've got to force out there whatever you have because you've told everybody. Well, no, it's I, I know what they said, but the reality is, I mean, I know just from – in business, we're going to go live with this new with this new uh, uh, system that we uh, we developed on you know September first. That actually is going to be March first. Well, you know what? We're, we're, nice we're, they we're, do that. We're moving it to June first. Well, let's. They haven't done it. Well, who knows? And you know what? And and again, it, this is where it gets where I get back to it is. I really don't care anymore. Because I just, you know, it's like, I, you know, like Brian even said, you know, when I look back at these movies, again, with my 50-year-old eyes, they're enjoyable, but they're not great. I think, honestly, when Lucas did this, it was literally, I think, the perfect storm, what I would call the perfect storm of to do a sci-fi movie or to do like a space opera of, of this sort. Um, I don't know, maybe just, maybe the technology just came around at this time. Maybe he just lucked out because like you said, you know, we can't give him credit for being a great storyteller because I mean, we all know where he got this idea from. I mean, we've talked about this before. This is not an original story. So, um, you know, he got it off of, you know, Akira Kurosawa. That was his inspiration that he says. Well, okay. There's your inspiration. And yeah, we could see who who's who in the, all the movies. So, you know, th- there's nothing really original here. And again, I think it's this um I mean, 
I, I, all it is really, I hate to say this, but I think literally Lucas rolled the dice. He, he hit the lottery when he did this movie. He got some really good special effects people to put stuff together because I know it wasn't him. Um, obviously he had this vision, but there were people that I'll give him this much credit. He got a lot of people that did a lot of the work that made this work. Well, okay. I'm going to just jump in. I, yeah. I have to give Lucas lots of credit because in the technology of movie making, he is truly a master. He may not be the best writer. He may not be the best story generator, uh, but he is a master at, again, assembling the special effects team and integrating that in the story. Modern digital cinematography, modern CGI. I mean, that whole 20-year period where he was like off doing his own thing and he wasn't making sequels, that's what he was doing. He was doing a lot of cutting-edge development, which flowed through to all these movies. All these movies we watch today have a whole lot to owe. Anything with, you know, digital uh, cinematography and special effects owes a whole lot to Lucas. Lucas has his hands all over that. But, does, but industrial it's, light it's true that, you know, I'll still say the first two movies were, they were great because I'm looking at the world and the movies and the competition and everything. But you're right. It was, it, it hit. Nobody at the time expected it to hit. It worked for the time. Uh, but time has moved on. Well, I, I, it, it did hit perfectly. And Ken, to a point, you know, you and I, you know, I was a kid, I was reading this epic science fiction stuff. They talked about giant ships and you saw it on the screen. Now, again, this is not science fiction, folks. We all know that it's science fantasy at best. But, but you saw these things that you'd always seen in your mind's eye and you put them on the screen. But but the other part of it was, and Jeff and Steve, I heard you both mention this, and Ken, I think you went with your brother, but you, you guys both went with your dads, right? And then Ken, you went with your brother. Now, me, you know, my dad was introducing me to other things like truck stop women and dirt track girls back at the time. <laughs> but so I didn't go with anybody. So the magic was not quite there. You know what I mean? I didn't get the warm fuzzies thing about, oh, I remember when dad had to read the subtitles for me and shit like that. I'm you know, sorry. Uh, can we can we can we take uh, uh, just a just a parliamentary procedure pause here? Um, what 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 is um what what's a what's a dirt track girl? Two tops, uh, <laughs> quarter short mile, shorts, uh, half short mile. What's that? Short shorts. Short shorts, tube tops, sandals. Yeah, all ages from sixty down to fourteen. And you know, bear in mind, I was in well, act fourteen down to ten. But, uh, you know, that was my age range back in those days. But in any event, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was the 60s, Jeff. Come on, man. This is are you familiar with a, uh, with a musical artist? And the 70s. Uh, Sammy Johns. He had a song called Chevy Van. Oh, yeah. That's what he's singing about. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, but but the point was, is the whole warm fuzzy thing was, was never really part of it for me. I just liked it because of the epic view and so forth. So, but actually back to Jeff's point about cranking something out every year. I mean, one of the difficulties is if you're a studio like MGM, you've got a hundred different directors wanting to put out a hundred different movies and you can pick and choose which of those movies you want to come out and try to make your money on that year. Disney's Disney's basically Disney can't really count on anything right now except star Wars. And they, you know, it's a bottom line thing. It's like they're projecting third quarter income and all that kind of stuff. They got stockholders and, you know, if they say they want to put it out every year, shit, they got to put it out every year. 
I mean, good, bad, and different because it's part of the bottom line. Uh, and that includes the merchandising and the toys. And by the way, interestingly, Steve, uh, Lucas didn't make hardly shit on these movies in terms of the merchandising. Uh, the first three movies. In fact, there's a really good Netflix show called The Toys That Made Us, uh, Toys That Made Us, that talks about how the Star Wars merchandising was handled in the first few movies and how those guys lost it. Kenner Toys lost it on the second group of movies, if I'm not mistaken. And that's when, that's when the studios really started making some jack once they got that contract away from Kenner. Um, but, but, um, but, but I do agree with Jeff to you to point where they are. I think they are forced. I think they're forced to put something out. There's a schedule because it goes right to their quarterly income projections. And, and again, they can't, they can't say, well, I'm going to put out Shrek 10, you know, cause I, you know, cause you know, each one of those Shrek movies is, you know, just fall, they've all fallen off. I mean, but the one thing they can rely on right now, Star Wars. Boom. And so I think, I think they're forced. I think they got a gun to their head to crank these babies out. I think I, I'm going to have to differ. I, I mean, I totally agree with everything you said, except for the fact that the next movie will make money. I don't. I think they've lost to a large extent. I don't think that's true because this latest movie, I'm hearing lots of negativity and a lot of people going like like what Steve said and sort of what I said. Like, no, I'm. I'll, maybe I'll catch it when it comes on cable, but I'm not going to go to the movies and see it. Uh, I may catch it eventually, and yeah, the, the company, you know, Disney will get a slice of money when I watch it on Netflix or something. But it's, uh, you know, I think they burn a fair amount of people, and they don't, maybe they don't, have, they don't realize it yet, because there's still super fans out there that'll sit there and say, like, oh, this latest movie is just awesome. And if you don't like it, it's because you just aren't advanced enough to understand it like we are or something. I mean, I've, I've heard people talking like that. It's like, no, it's badly written. It's badly directed. It's a bad story. But that's me. I mean, I, I, not, I mean, I don't want to talk too much about that. But I, did, you know, when Disney took over this, they paid a lot of money, and like you said, they had expert accountants making calculations on what kind of return on investment they can get, and, and amortize that over, you know, the next two decades. Because that's the sort of money they're looking at, and the timeline they're looking at. And so, yeah, they will be putting movies out, and maybe they'll be good. But, you know, I had higher, I might had, again, I just had my hopes dashed about a month or so ago when I went and saw The Last Jedi. Rogue One got me a little excited that I was going to see a string of competent movies set in this. And it's like, no, you're not. And so now I'm like Steve. It's like, okay, well, fine. I'm kind of done. It's, I mean, it's moved on, and I need to move on to. You know, one thing I'm going to throw out there and just mention this, because I think there's uh, there, there may be a generational issue here with this movie as well, or with this franchise, I should say. You know, you step back when we saw this. And like I said, we're all within, you know, a decade or so of each other. So we could all relate to, you know, the movies that were out there. And like what we saw with a new hope and empire and all that, you know, it was, again, you never saw anything like this before. This is, this is all brand new. This is just, you know, like Brian said, you know, you went from watching a silent movie to, you know, uh, color TV and sound, uh, surround sound for that matter. I think some of the problem here is, if they're trying to hit that younger demographic, 
and they're trying to wow them with special effects and that, well, you're not going to wow these kids. These kids have been seeing this shit for a long time now. You're not putting anything on the screen that is making them go, oh, that's cool. I've never seen that before. No, they've seen everything before at this point. You've got to come up with something different. And I think that's, and again, I think that goes back to why our generation views Star Wars differently than say maybe this, you know, obviously the kids today, because we literally were coming from this thing of, you know, you know, sci-fi was damnation alley where it was a freaking, I mean, literally a, a model trailer going down a street where it looked like a model trailer going down a street. I mean, that's what we were used to. I mean, people, I mean, some of these younger kids may laugh at that, but it's like, literally, that's how it was watching Star Trek as a kid. I mean, it's like you could actually see the fucking wire holding the, the, that's how bad it was. So to see this, Brian hit it on the head. I mean, you're, it was like, wham, you just jumped 30 years into the future when you saw this movie. And the story didn't matter. The acting didn't matter. Nothing mattered. You were just, it was sensory overload. Where these kids today, it's just, well, we, we've, we've been sensory at overload all the time. It's like, you got, you got a better story. Is there something? I mean, it's, I just don't think they watch this and they see this anything different than going to the Transformers or watching any of the stupid Marvel DC cart or comic mo- movies that are out there. I don't think video they, games, Steve. Well, this I mean, their own video games have good effects. Exactly, and I just think it's just none of this. It's just okay. Well, this is another. And again, it's so old. I mean, it. Well, I shouldn't say it's so old. It's just. I I just don't know if they can even relate to it anymore, like we did. Um, I don't know. I it, it's hard for me to say. And like I said, I mean, I'm of the age now where I'm like. It's just not something that I'm looking forward to. And I guess maybe like I, I use the James Bond thing as an example because, you know, about every couple, two, three years, there's a new Bond movie that comes out. Um, and, you know, again, they kind of reboot the series and stuff like that. But like with this, it just was, I mean, there was like these 20-year gaps between what they did, right? Or maybe what was it after the prequels? 10, 15, 12 years, something like that. So you yeah. had these huge gaps. And I just, and I think for me, it was like, I've lost interest. I just, I just lost interest in it anymore. And, and I just, I just don't care. And it's just more like you said, it's more like watching some kids fantasy movie than watching a, what I would refer to as like a true sci-fi movie or even a good space opera. And I just, I don't know. I'm just, I mean, I hate to say that because I mean, I mean, I still enjoy watching it. I mean, when I listen to the music, I get, I get goosebumps still when I listen to it. And, you know, I love the Imperial March and all that stuff. But, you know, for, you know, when they, when they're talking about a new, a new Star Wars movie coming out, I'd be like, meh. All right. Well, let me know when it's streaming. Which, yeah. like I said, you know, like Rogue One has been streaming forever. And I'm like, I'm shocked at that. I'm like, it's the best freaking Star Wars movie since Empire, and it's streaming already? Okay, whatever. Hey, can I can I just throw something out that occurred to me, which is like sure. a psychological reason for much of what we're talking about? Absolutely. That is, we've all commented on the fact we went to Star Wars the first time, and that opening, just the music and the just that opening scene grabbed us all and made this big impact that was so beyond what we expected. 
do we keep going back to see Star Wars in the theater all these years, all these times, just because we're hoping to get that jolt of adrenaline back? It, I you, do. You know what? I, I do. I'll be and, and I'll be honest with you, Ken. That's actually a really good point because I felt the very same way when I saw Force Awakens because, uh, I mean, it opened just like the original. I mean, almost to a T. I mean, with the whole pan down and of uh, uh, the planet and everything, it's like okay, this is. And I was into it again. It's like, and, and I think that's why I liked it. And I know everybody said, "What's well, a reboot of the first one?" I'm like. Yes, it is. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to draw you back into the original story. And I was fine with it. I was absolutely fine with all that. Then it was like, okay, then you started getting down to, okay, now when I finally realized who, what's his guts was, uh, the, the, the beta male dude, um, okay, so that's supposed to be the Vader replacement. Okay, unimpressed. Um, I, I don't know about, you know, the, the janitor stormtrooper guy. I don't know. He was kind of useless. I mean, Daisy Ridley, I thought she was fine, but I don't know. It just, it, it, it seemed like they had a really good thing and they, you know, and it was like, I was sucked into it. I'm like, man, I almost feel like I'm 10 years old again. It's almost like 1977. And then about halfway through the movie, I'm like, okay, I'm out of this. They, they completely drew me out again. I still liked it, but it still, it still drew me out a little bit. Um, like I said, I have not seen uh, Last Jedi. Um, I, I will wait till it's out on uh, streaming or whatever. But um, but no, but Ken, I think you make an excellent point. I think it's like we're trying to relive that uh, that first moment. Yeah, Ken, you're dead on. I mean, yeah. I mean, when I think of Star Wars, I don't think I don't see a picture of Darth Vader. I mean, obviously, an incredible character, a, a groundbreaking character, actually. Uh, but what I, what I, what I first saw when I think of Star Wars, that opening scene where that star destroyer just is, it keeps going and going and going, and, and that's the first thought I have of Star Wars when I think of it. Yes. And and you know, I mean, it, it was it was you know, you get chills. You know, as a kid, you're seeing that, and you're like, oh wow, this is incredible. And and I do think we all kind of want to recapture that. Um, but you know. All in all, still, there was a story there. I, I, as you know, I already think the actors are yeah, other than some of the, the Brits we talked about. Uh, and uh, and then the, 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 again, the other problem with the other movies is you had Star Wars, the, the middle episodes, the original Star Wars. One of the difficulties of this new series is that now you got a history. You can't just throw shit up there and say, well, this is the way it is. Well, why? You know, what happened? You know, where's the rest of the, you know, you beat the Empire. What the hell happened? I thought you had all the ships. And, you know, I mean, you, you got to explain that, and they don't explain it. Um, and they don't make an attempt to explain it. Again, I could go into the individual characters like Luke. I mean, again, again, let's be real clear. I was never it's like, oh, wow, Luke Skywalker, you know, changed my life. No, I mean, you know, Luke, I mean, I didn't really give a shit about Luke, to be perfectly honest in the movies. He's just some guy playing Luke. But... You've got a story there. you got to explain, well, how did he get to here? You know, what fucking crazy-ass thing made him decide, hey, I'm going to kill my cousin or my nephew in his sleep? What? You wouldn't kill your old man who was like the greatest mass murderer in history. Uh, you know, the freaking guy was Adolf Hitler times a thousand. 
but you wouldn't kill him. You tried to redeem him, but your nephew, you think, you know, I think that kid may end up being a dark side. I'm going to sneak into his tent and chop his head off. What? You know, explain how you get to that place. Well, they didn't. They just like, well, you know, that's the deal. You know, just he had a bad night. He's going to go there and cut his head off. But, you know, just his nephew. <sighs> Again, you know. And I, and I got to be honest, the redemption of Eric, uh, of the the redemption of Anakin Skywalker, I, I love that too. It's like, hey, let's make a movie, an alternate movie history movie about Adolf Hitler, and we're going to redeem him in the end. How many tickets are you going to sell to that movie? <laughs> yeah. So well, is, uh, it, is 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 Hitler's son a plucky farm boy? Yeah, yeah that's true. Goes well, back, I, I in, goes it, back in time and changes history and saves his dad after his you know goes to the bunker. And gets him to follow Jesus, and everything's good. Well, I've got a. You got me. You know, we, we haven't talked much about the the newest ones. We've alluded to them and everything, but I'm just going to make an, an observation that, like it or not, you know, love them or not, like the execution or not, Lucas, when he did the original three. I think he did have a story arc in mind. I mean, when he first was doing it, he had a, a story arc. He didn't have nine episodes or 12 episodes of story arc, but he had three episodes worth of story arc. And he executed that, and it was fine, and it worked. When Disney bought it, from what I understand, Lucas said, okay, here's what my vision is for the next you know, set of movies. And they basically said, thanks, but no thanks. We, we own it now. Get, get, get the hell out. We're going to do it our way. And it's pretty obvious that they did not have a storyline for a trilogy. They go like, well, we, we want a trilogy. But we don't have anything. Now, we could go outside and hire some competent writers with experience in this area. Uh, they could have hired, uh, what's his name, uh, Timothy Zahn. I mean, there, there, there's stuff they could have plucked out of the aftermarket of Star Wars and made great trilogies. They could have made a Thrawn trilogy, uh, but they didn't. But they just said, okay, well, we're going to do our own trilogy our way with our vision because we are Disney and we know what we need to do. And so they hired J.J. Abrams. And like J.J. Abrams or not, he was told basically, start a trilogy. So he wrote The Force Awakens to be the star of a trilogy. Because if you watch that movie, he sets, all, he sets up all sorts of characters and plot points and threats <laughs> and background and characters. And the movie came out and, you know, like it or not, it was what it was. And then it's obvious now that it's okay, we need to make movie two. We only hired you know, him for one movie, so we'll, we'll hire this new guy. Hey, new guy, Rian Johnson, uh, write a movie. We, we, you got a, we got a trilogy to write. Get going. You need to write the next one. And so he sat down and for whatever reason just went like, you know, it wasn't a case of like, here's the storyline, write a movie, you know, fill in the gaps in this and make a movie out of it. That guy just went in and said, like, well, I don't like that. I don't like that. I'll ignore those five points. Uh, those two characters, I'll just kill them. And, and you know, I don't like this. I, I don't like the way this is going. So I'm going to just, like, twist it and go a whole different way. 
And basically, I'm going to waste the viewer's time with ineffective action and nonsensical storylines. I'll shoot it technically beautifully. It'll look great, but it won't hold up at all. It's just a, a series of subversions and, you know, plot gaps and everything else. So that's, you know, that's why I'm going, I'm going, I'm done. I mean, they are demonstrating and proving to me, like, they don't respect me enough to put the minimum attention in to make a story. If you're going to have a trilogy, a trilogy is three connected stories. They're not making connected stories. They're, they just are doing it as it comes up. Because like Brian said, hey, they got they got markets to meet and timelines to meet, and they got they can't waste time, you know, with extra stuff. So I'll shut up and let you guys talk. You're right. I mean, the 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 third movie, the second, what the hell, this movie did not take advantage of the the, the ground Hello? that was laid in the movie prior. Oh, Jeffrey, you here? Oh my god, my, my thing must have been pulled out a little bit. Okay, uh, yeah, we were waiting for you to That's what she said. I've been, I've, been talking, I've been talking up a fucking storm here. I'm no, like, go ahead. We heard uh, nothing. I just wanted to, I was just letting Ken go on. I mean, Ken Ken is really um, laying a lot of the groundwork that I feel like I've, I've been saying for some time now. That there, there, if when you watch The Force Awakens and this new one, there there is not on there's just no connection i mean you if you didn't know any better you would thought they were standalone movies um with with just some some people added in um sort of like the uh the new marvel series right where it's like you've got these stories and they're you know they're, there's there's these superheroes and they're all fighting bad things but you don't need to see one to really watch the next one you you're you get introduced to the characters as they are i almost feel like at some point here in the future, they're they're going to use the these these. And when I, when I talk about the two most recent movies, I, I, I'm I'm excluding Rogue One because Rogue One is it it's in a league of its own. It's a standalone movie. Um, it it kind of is a prequel. It, well, it is. It's a prequel to Episode Four. So it's like Episode Three and a Half. So I'm not going to. I'm not going to really. I'm not, I'm not really. When I say the last two movies. I'm referring to these these two that were done by Disney, um, with the their quote unquote new trilogy. Um, I think at some point somebody's going to do a nice um, course on this. Is not how you do character development, nor is this how you treat characters in a story. There there are so many characters in the last two movies that are sort of introduced and then either nothing is done with them or they're killed after the seventh or eighth line that they've got and they're done. They're out. You don't know anything about them. You don't, you don't, and quite honestly, you don't want to know anything about them. Some, some people may call this great marketing. I call it, I call it a shitty way to produce a product I think, I think, well, okay, so not the bait and switch. Here's what I think Disney is is going for. They've, they've got this whole franchise locked down. So what they're doing is they're saying, okay, well, we're going to introduce you to these characters, but we want you to go and buy this new book series or this new book story that's going to tell you all there is to know about this. And once you read all of these books 
and then you watch these movies, our genius is going to be quite obvious to you on how well we did. But the problem is, they're forcing people to do things that are that are that are not what we do or what we should do. If you're trying to tell me a story via the the medium of 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 visual TV or movies, then tell me the damn story. Don't make me have to go read a book to understand the backstory of this person to understand why he's on the screen. Because this last movie, you had this Gollum, Voldemort, Snoke, Snoke character who you mm-hmm. know was introduced in the last movie, who comes into this movie, dies in the first half, about ten minutes into it, and and kind of a kind of an no, eye. No, no. No, he died two hours into it because I thought the freaking thing was over and I was ready to walk out the door. But I'm go sorry. ahead. Uh, okay, fine. Two hours into well, it. We need to also use the rough term. He died like a bitch. Yes. He died like a bitch. And, a, and a, again, a very eye-rolling way like, all right, what, that was just dumb. Um, and pointless. Pointless. We have a pointless character that we, that we, we have no we have no vested interest, no hatred for. We don't dislike the character so much. Um, he's just an asshole. Um, so why do I care that he's dead? Why do I, why did I care he was alive? Why did I care he was in the last movie? Why do I care that, that I'm even talking about him right now? But you've got that all through. You've got that with they, I, I, I feel they missed a golden opportunity with Lauren Dern, a golden opportunity to develop this, introduce this great character that was possibly going to lead the return of the rebellion. Yep. And, yep. and totally. And you, you, you wasted her in the, in just the most ridiculous way. Now, granted, granted what she did. Okay. That was, that was fine, but you could have had Laura Dern adding gravitas to this series and developing your own damn strong character. I was all in with Laura. Jones. I was like, this is awesome. I'm going to enjoy seeing her taking the mantle and running with, nope, nope, I'm sorry, she's dead now. She's dead and there's no, no coming back. Or or will she? Um, because the whole, the whole evolution of Leia, who gets blown out into space, and for some reason... I, does, the, does the fish swim back? I just I, I don't even know I don't even know what the hell happened there. I don't even know why. We're never gonna find out. Well apparently she's got these kick ass force powers that she's been hiding out on everybody. She must be manipulating everybody's mind. That's why. She can't she's expose that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But you you've got all these little things that it's it's like, okay, who cares? Why why are we investing our time? We've got characters that we introduced last movie that hardly get any time this movie we've got new characters this movie who get a ton of time and we don't care about still don't care about finn still don't care about the girl that likes finn that ends up saving him in the middle of a giant ad ad battle but it was one of the best tactical battles I've ever seen in terms of the intelligence applied to the battle. But let's not even go there. <laughs> I, that was that was a billion percent sarcasm, wasn't it? Oh yeah. <laughs> I've never understood. I mean, when when we talk about movies, and look, I understand that you know the theme in Star Wars for for battles is um, all right. One person charges the other person until until something breaks. Um, 
So we're going to take everything on headfirst, no matter how powerful it is, and then then, then we're going to pull pull the victory out of our ass. Well, um, and I'm sure Marines go like, "Hey, uh, they're shooting mortars at us. Pack, let's pack together, men. Because <laughs> <laughs> stay together, get tight." And I'm like. This is fucking Napoleonic charge. What the hell's going on here? <laughs> it's spread out. <laughs> it's absurd. Sorry. It's it's absurd. Well, yeah, it's, I mean th- th- that's the obvious stuff. We're, it's it's like we're, we're picking on a three year old when we, we we take shots at that because that stuff's stupid. But it's that's always been stupid. In Star Wars, by the way. Well, it has been, and and well, that's and, Hollywood too. Mm-hmm. Well, it it is Hollywood. It it's because they they can't get away from themselves, and they and they can't. I mean, I, look, I understand you've got to have this ragtag group of people who you know are on the on the precipice of of disaster, and well, now it's here. I don't know how they grow a rebellion or anything out of seventeen people still being alive. That's a lot of work to go and recruit people that you have, by the way, just haphazardly just put in harm's way and killed. And we're never going to get to the the MacGuffin of the most recent story, which is, and 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 I don't care, I don't care about they can track people through hyperspace. I, I not not my thing. But now the ships need energy, and 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 we're just going to have this long protracted chase in space with this huge armada behind you that that. Clearly can see has, you, by the way. It can see you. See you, and it's clearly like, has, there they are. But our yeah, weapons they can't go any faster or any slower. And but they that, can't. <laughs> they can't send one thousand other Tie Fighters to go and finish the job that they started. So, again, some of this stuff is so stupid. It, it, I don't want to make fun of it because everybody knows it's stupid. But apparently, maybe not. I don't know. Well, that's Do what you, I'm saying. It's, it's Prometheus. It's Prometheusian <laughs> levels of just bad writing. This yeah, so Wiley running, running down the railroad track. Yeah. They don't think it through. They have them doing stupid stuff. It makes no sense. And it wastes the viewer's time because you're watching something that, you know, there are, there's about half the latest movie where you could chop it out totally and it wouldn't change the movie at all. Well, what the hell was what's his name for Sicario doing in a movie? I mean, uh, well, he was. I, a, I mean, I, lo- I love the what, actor, but he's I love him as an actor, but what the hell was he doing? I mean, he was. It's about, like, hey, we got Benicio del Toro. We got to figure out some shit for him. And so, okay, <laughs> he was about the only interesting thing in the movie, though. No, because he's a fucking good actor. Excuse my French. We, uh, <laughs> oui, Monsieur. Yeah. But 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 he's a decent actor, and you know, he's one of these guys you can't take your eyes off of, just like he was in Sicario, by the way. Well, it was. I can almost see that, like, he was, like, walking down the street in Hollywood, and they were, Rian Johnson and some Disney suits were sitting at a table outside having lunch, said, hey, come over here, we got a job for you. <laughs> Probably right. You want, you want to do Star Wars? Oh, yeah, I'd like to do Star Wars. Okay, well, no, no okay, what you going to do? I'll tell you what, one of the things you guys, and I, again, I did not see um, uh, Last Jedi, but, but this is one of the issues that I've always had with Star Wars is that the sci- I shouldn't say the science doesn't work. There is no it's science. It's fantasy. Yeah, it's all fantasy because I will say this, as much as you want to dig on Star Trek, they at least make shit up and it sounds good to to. Like when they're in these situations, like you said, it's like, well, why can't we do this? Well, it's because the dilithium crystals are that, blah, blah, blah. You know, they come up with some 
bullshit, plausible scientific reason why they can't do this or how they can do certain things. We're like in, like I said, in Star Wars, none of that was ever taken into effect. None of it was ever taken into account why we can do this or that. It just happened. Yeah. Well, Steve, which is actually part of the appeal. The, well, the great example is when, you know, we, we knew we were going to get an explanation for what the force was. Not that we really needed it. We didn't need to know that it was what exactly it was. But then they come out with this. It was like, it was, it was, it, it was just like this. I, I can't think of a bigger thud than when Liam Neeson, you know, kneels down and is like, oh, well, it's, it's these little things that just are in all of us. And it was like, that's it. Yeah, who knew it was a who knew it was a blood test? Biology one hundred and one. Yeah, it was yeah. A blood well, well, you need watch his name out of Kelly's heroes. Just have a little faith, baby. Yeah. You know, that's all you need. Just have a little faith. Shit works. You know, there's a force. <laughs> have a little faith, baby. Well, he's got uh, he's got about twenty five percent force, uh, about ten percent chlamydia, and um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, who knew it was a blood test? I could do all this stuff, right? So. Uh, you know, yeah, I, again, there's some stuff that's just so. Again, I know you didn't see it, Steve, but there's just some stuff you see in the movie. I mean, everybody wants to. I mean, not everybody, but everybody's like, oh, you know, I don't like the political message and all that kind of crap. And you know, I, I don't really care one way or the other. I mean, it's just a bad movie. It's a bad story. I mean, you can try to teach me any political lesson you want. I've watched a lot of movies. Well, hell, I mean, Babylon Five. Again, you know, Straczynski is a, a, a card-carrying, proud atheist, but he's written some of the most religious, interestingly religious episodes I've ever seen. Because he told a good story, you know. Same goes here. Uh, tell a good story. Explain what, make me understand why, first off, when you do have some of the iconic characters, look, these people are getting freaking old, all right? You got to get their ass out of there because, you know, you can't have Harrison Ford darting around at age 75 kicking somebody's ass. I get that, you know. You, you know, you, you got to pass him on down the line. Well, okay, but when you when you kind of well, actually his death made some sense, by the way, although yeah. it was stupid, you knew it was going to happen. But but you know, would you kind of send these characters down the road, which you got to do? Except you didn't have to kill Akbar because you know how who knows how long a fish dude lives. He may live to be a thousand years old, for all I know. But but uh, you know, but I don't. See, I'm just not like all the other Star Wars guys. I mean, I liked it a lot, but I don't really. I don't freaking know the family lines, and I mean, I mean, I've watched the shit out of this stuff over the years. I really have. Let's be honest. But I know guys that could tell me every damn thing. Like, yeah, they 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 pierce their left toe, and that's what they do, and they all sing uh, uh, hosannas on Tuesday. And I'm like, oh, that's really great to hear. I don't care. But but you know, the thing is, though, explain these guys away. Explain why Luke Luke Skywalker is such a dumbass in this movie. You know, explain why he did the stupid shit that he did, and what was he freaking drinking? You know, like I said, when he was going to kill his nephew. Yeah, but to me, he never grew up. He was a kind of a hot-headed well, I, I'm gonna kid. Just, he, I'm going to go jump ahead, in and make a point, and you guys shoot me down or ignore me, but almost, a, a major problem with this movie, I think, is when they gave it to Ryan Johnson to... I hope I'm pronouncing it. I think it's Ryan or is it Ryan? But uh, when they gave it to him, I really do think that either he was told or he just really, really wanted to make this story a totally, you know, I'm going to put air quotes right here, a totally woke, modern, social justice warrior, 
you know, progressive, enlightened, left-wing storyline. And again, I'm, I'm not a left-wing dude. I mean, I think listeners will get picked that up. But I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not hostile to it. I mean, if you put on a good story, put on a good story. But he went out of his way to slag anything that was like traditional or, I don't know, tied into just the traditions of Star Wars. Again, the fact that you can take Luke Skywalker and do the crap to him. I, I shouldn't, you know, be using language like that, but like to make God, him, Ken, yeah, just watch your mouth, please. Yeah, compared to you. But you know <laughs> and you know, the whole idea that we gotta take, you know, the, the whole Poe Dameron storyline, like, okay, Poe, you're a dumbass. Like, you know, you're insolent, you're insubordinate. And, you know, we're going to have strong female characters. Well, Laura Dern, she was wasted. But the movie is trying to make her out to be a strong female leader character, but she got nothing to base it on, except for the fact she's kind of a jerk and doesn't tell anybody anything. Yes, bear, bear in mind. I mean, if you want her to be a strong female character, be a strong female character. But you can't just showing up and saying, oh, she's a strong female character. Look how powerful she looks. Like, okay, that doesn't work. you got to demonstrate it. We're visual creatures. you got to give us a story. Give us something to, to hang it on. But they didn't. They didn't care. They just threw it out there and moved on. You know, Ken, I think that's a good point. I think the thing that pisses a lot of people off is the, the intent is for us to just ex- – to force us to accept whatever it is they put out there that despite whatever lack of thought and story cohesion that they have, we're, we're just supposed to accept it and, and embrace it and, and, and move on. Um, it's, it's just insulting. It's Promethean. If, <laughs> I mean, if you look at Rogue earlier, One, Promethean. and here's why I think, here's why I think I'm so pissed. If you look at Rogue One, which to me is, again, it it's just a fun, well done story. Visually, it you you just you you've got some great stuff going on there. The end of the movie is spectacular. If if they di- if they hadn't had that level of success with that movie, I probably just would be like, eh, you know what? It's just it is what it is. But when I know that they've that there's that they Somebody can put something together there. And look, there was really no story there. There was nothing. It, this was stuff that was basically somebody made up after they put some, I don't know, some fucking thought behind it and said, this is how it should go. Now it's like this, just like, I don't know. I, I Ken did a really good job saying, yeah, you know, let's try this. Let's do this and this. Oh, were we supposed to tie some of this stuff together with the last movie? Ah, screw it. We'll do it in the next movie when the next person takes over. What? The, the the best hope for Star Wars to me, believe it or not, actually lies in the freaking cartoons they're putting out right now. I mean, well, you know what? That is some of the best stuff that they're doing right now. Yeah. Well, it, it it is. I mean, and, and Rebels. I mean, hell, the Rebel ship was in Rogue One, and that's that's a that's a Rebels type story. Um, I think that I think you'll see those characters. And by the way, Thrawn is hugely featured in that. And hell, I I, I guess there's a Thrawn or maybe two Thrawn books out right now, and and I wouldn't be surprised they're not the best-selling Star Wars books out there. Well, they they were. You know, St- Brian, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, I it, they again they they they're they're investing in all this after 
after movie production pieces, these, these, these books and, and all this other, you know, you know, shit, whatever shit's online. And they're, they're, they're trying to, you know, you know, do this blitz. And, and there's such an oversaturation of this shit now. Um, you know, I think they're just going to really end up desensitizing people to it or just at some point turn them off. You know, I, I, I've told Steve, you know, I talked to Steve about this, my current job, um, I am, and I think I You're am a code breaker, in, aren't you? Uh, code breaker. <laughs> 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 the NSA. I, I, I'm going to send that in on my resume. All right. I'm a teacher and, and I teach, I teach in my, what I believe is the target audience, the age group that's a target audience for these movies, um, meaning middle school kids. And, um, and and you know slightly younger. When I when I ask them now no so now, mind you I've got a you know I got a captive captive audience here I've you know I it, you've got all walks of life here you know you got you know, pretty much everybody in my damn classroom has seen this movie, and I said what do you guys think without them knowing anything about what I thought <clears throat> what do you guys think of the movie and universally. I think I had one kid who was like, oh, you know, I liked it. Everybody else was just like, eh, uh, not, not good. And I thought, well, that's, a, I, they said, well, what'd you think? I said, well, that's, you know, that's where I am. I didn't really elaborate because I could have gone on for about seven class periods on exactly why I didn't like the movie. I was just like, yeah, I've kind of felt like you guys did. But, but I asked them why. And they just said, it, you know, it was just, they were just, they were like, it wasn't that good. You know, there was, and they, they went into, it, was, it wasn't a good story. Um, they didn't really talk about the visuals because, I still think the visuals were pretty solid. No, they uh, are. But but they were just they were just like, yeah, I you know, some you know, kids were like, yeah, I probably won't see it again and it was just like, wow, that's, you know, I mean, I I will say I was slightly surprised. Um but uh, to Steve's point when he says, well, you know what, these kids, you know, they they've been there, they've done that, they've seen all this stuff. Yeah, but I mean, I still get excited about, you know, whatever scene. I, I still enjoy going to see Marvel movies. I, you know, I, I did, I thought the great, the last um, uh, Potter universe uh, movie, the uh, Magnificent Beast, I thought that was pretty well done. I enjoyed the visuals in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, Jeff, but I don't want to interrupt, but again, you got to remember, we are of a different generation. We, and, and you're still young enough where you remember just like Brian said, I mean, we were like at that point where those kids that you're seeing, they never experienced what we saw prior mm-hmm. to that. All they knew, all they know is this type of technology or this type of cinema. I mean, you know, we were still playing around with rabbit ears. I mean, I mean they, they <laughs> don't even know. I mean, they have no idea what it was like to not have in cable. Cable. Mm-hmm. Not. I'm not talking right. streaming Netflix and stuff. Cable. Right. So they have no, no Steve. They have three no three channels. Let's be yeah. Well, no. and, I'm just saying that just going back, like I said, rabbit ears channels. You know, when at midnight you did the start, you know, the the national anthem, and you went to bed. I think that's the difference, Jeff. Is that they're not impressed with it, or they're like, and eh, whatever, because it's just like any other movie that they've ever seen. It's just like the Marvel movies or the Harry Potter or. You know, whatever, you know, mocking Jay, whatever that Jennifer Lawrence is in, it's not anything that it doesn't stand out to them. It doesn't. And this is what I keep going back to. It doesn't have the same resonance with the generations 
you know, actually probably shit the last two and a half that it does with us because of what we grew up with and what we see this movie as. So it doesn't matter how good the story is because if you're targeting those kids, you've got to wow them with something else. And I, I don't I actually disagree. I actually disagree with you. Okay. All right. No, I mean, here's why I, I think Jeff asked the kids what they thought and like, yeah, the story is meh. If you've seen everything, if you can't do anything, because you can't, you really can't. There's no special effects you can put out there unless you go to 3D sense around or, you know, virtual reality or something like that. So what what are the kids got left to like? Story. There's got to be a decent story because you're not going to show them anything that they can't get on their computer. You know. So, so I, I, wanna... actually, I actually think it is a story. I think the kids actually recognize it. This is a shit show. This is not a good story. So let and, me let me. Let me jump in real quick. Brian. I'm sorry, Steve, but I, yeah, that was kind of my thought on that. No, you so, no, you got a good point. So let me let's okay. So uh, and, and uh, I get Steve's point, and I and I like it. I like what he's saying. But on the other hand, for example, we, our group, we have we've seen it all as far as like action movies, right? We've lived through. The original Death Wish, right? We lived through yeah. Dirty Harry. We lived through, you know, the the Man with No Name trilogy. We've we've lived through everything with Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Bruce Willis. We've we've we have survived it. We've seen some of the best action movies out there, right? Mm-hmm. John Wick comes along, and I'm like, this is some of my favorite shit in years. Mm-hmm. But guess what? It's still the same thing. It's still a dude out there killing people with a gun in his hands. But guess what? I've seen some of the best stuff. I it's still, a revenge story, yeah. I still, I still love what the this new thing they put out, despite the fact I've seen I've got a forty year history of seeing some of the best kick ass motherfuckers out there. Right? Mm-hmm. Along comes John Wick, and I'm like, this, this is, this is. Topping some of those. I mm-hmm. love this movie more. So why can't that be the case then with Star Wars or anything else they're going to put out there for this generation? I'll, I'll jump in and just say, you know, I'm repeating what I said about Prometheus. Okay. Which I defended. Disney, when Disney bought this, they have the people and the the. They've got the team that they have no problem putting on a technically superb movie. The cinematography, the special effects, if they want practical effects, the practical effects are great. When they're filming outside, it looks beautiful. The CGI is perfectly integrated. Technically, it's all good. Where they are totally dropping the ball is just the story. Mm-hmm. The story, they don't give any appropriate attention to the story. Now, okay, Rogue One, I'm not going to say it's a fluke. The story is pretty simple. It's a simple story. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be fancy. And it's a standalone. It's where Eagles Dare or it's the Dirty Dozen. If, if where Wars. Eagles Dare was the first of a trilogy of Richard Burton and Clint Eastwood storming the Nazis. <laughs> that's what we're talking about. That's what I'm saying. The problem is they're doing a trilogy. If you're doing a trilogy, you got to have a story. 
and you got to have writing and interactions amongst the characters that advance that story in a logical fashion. They don't have that, and they evidently don't care because they're making this these. They made this last movie for some hypothetical other audience that they hope to develop and grow. I mean, I, they didn't make it for us, the old fans. They didn't make it for the kids. They made it for some relatively small group of people out there, which I know there's people out there who love this movie, but it's just badly written, and it's not a coherent story. It just It's just plot hole after plot hole after disappointment. And so that's where they're going wrong. They could change it if they sat down and got really good writers to put together a cohesive storyline. But it's too late now. This trilogy, I don't think, can be saved. I mean, what are they going to do? Where are they going to go? It's like Ray, Ray's going to become strong with the Force? I, I, she already is. Is she, is she going to, like, overcome, uh, oh, what's his name? Adam Driver's character. Uh, Whatever. Yeah. Darth two. Well, pound for pound, she could have taken out Luke Skywalker. At, you know, on on day two, um, you know, from when he went to Moss Eisley. I mean, well, she's already beaten uh, him. Well, so, uh, so you know, it, it's like, where's she gonna go again? She's the hero of the series. Where's she gonna go? Mark and Jeff were right when we were reviewing Force Awakens, and they were stressing that she's a Mary Sue, and that's horrible. And I was going, like, well, maybe it's going to go somewhere. And now I realize I was wrong. Jeff was right. Mark was right. But, well, kid, you, she you was talk born perfect. Well, and they can't give her a challenge because, well, yes. she's, she's a feminist icon now. We can't, like, have a challenge for her. We can't show her as being weak or having thoughts or doubts i mean she's strong and she's a she's just she's perfect and it's like you can't write a story about a perfect character being perfect you you nailed it i mean and again i i i i'm not one that really tries to dwell into the political aspect of this movie but that is a political or socio-political aspect of the movie and you, you kind of nail it is you know a classic Japanese? I think I've had this discussion before. A classic Japanese heroic figure starts out as kind of a piece of crap, and and they get better, and they develop. They, they, they I mean, not only the piece of crap in terms of weak, they may just be a fundamentally flawed character. You know, they're just not a good person, and they're weak. And you know, over the course of the movie or the series or whatever, they grow and they change and they become something special. And, 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 and again, I, I, I don't look at these that much for political points or otherwise I don't, as you know, that's, you know, I'm, I'm very political as you all know, but I don't look at it that way. I try to say, okay, let's just, let's just have a good time. But you're right. The problem with a perfect character is that they're boring. There's just nothing. What are they going to do? Well, they're going to do the perfect thing and they're perfect from the beginning. And when you're making a movie that I think is trying to portray women as being strong, that that means they could never. Well, they can be. They could be, and they should be shown as weak, as flawed, as all these things. But they can't, and they won't, because they're going to take a shit ton of criticism. It's like the freaking Doctor Who thing, where they he, he became a female, and I guess in this last Doctor Who thing, and she, and she gets flung out of the TARDIS, the his the spacecraft time vehicle for Doctor Who. And Spoiler alert! Like, 
Yeah, well, uh, anyway, well, it's, it's <laughs> anyway, but the people critics are going like, oh, oh, so she's a woman and she's being rejected by the TARDIS, and it's like, are you freaking kidding me? You know, it's just, it, it, and again, so you can't do that, and that's the problem. That's the problem with the world we live in today is you can't look at somebody even askance, and it's like, oh, the, 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 all the dominoes start to fall about how you're this or that. But that's the problem with the character is she can't be shown as flawed. No, but that, that, they, but the, alternatively, they, they show the janitor guy, uh, stormtrooper dude. He's flawed from the beginning. Hell, he was ready to bail out on everybody. That's the other part. He's ready to cut and run, man. And he gets caught by the Chinese gal, which, by the way, I'm sure she's in there for the Chinese market, which I get this movie did shit in China, by the, for the way, by the way. And again, that's her on train to the movie because she catches him being a coward because apparently he's not growing as fast as, well, you know, whatever. So, so again, you know, again, now, again, from a political perspective, they've shown him as certainly flawed, in my opinion. Uh, he's almost kind of the, he's almost the comic effect to a certain extent. But uh, without being funny, yeah. Now, one other thing I heard about this movie is that the whole escance where they went to the gambling world and they freed the horses and saved the whales and all that shit that they did, and you know, <laughs> and got Benicio del Toro to come on board. Um, what I've heard is the guy that directed this movie is going to do the new trilogy, right? That's what I heard or read or something. Because I'm, I, let's be real abundantly clear if it's not already obvious, I'm not a freaking Star Wars fanboy. That's not pretty obvious. Uh, but I understand that guy's going to do the new trilogy. And what, I, what I've heard or at least seen speculated by some is that the little kid at the end that, had the, that made the broom come into his hand and all that kind of shit – that's going to be the new trilogy is going to be about like those kids or something like that, you know, doing whatever the hell Jedi kids do, I suppose. Um, It'll be Harry Potter's force. I think that's, that's what I've heard. That's that, that was the really one of the main reasons for that whole little 45 freaking minute thing where I could barely keep my eyes open thing on the gambling casino where, where they went to get the code breaker and they ended up with some dude in jail who could have got out anytime he wanted to, but what the hell? Sorry. I'm done. <laughs> and cut. <laughs> and guys, I tell you what, I think that's actually probably a pretty pretty good place to cut with this show. Probably. Um, yeah, we we talked for almost 2 hours on this bad boy and I think we um I think we kind of dissected this down and deconstructed it down and I think people I I'm kind of wondering. I want I'm interested in the feedback from the listeners. What do you think about this? What do you think about our thoughts? I mean, are we completely off base or, or, or do you kind of agree with this? Uh, because, you know, again, I, I, I think I'm probably on the extreme. Maybe me and Brian are probably close to the extremes, uh, in, in terms of, and again, when I say I don't care about Star Wars, I'm just, I, what I, I should rephrase that to say, I don't look forward to it. It's like when it comes out, I'll watch it. But I'm not going to go out of my way to go uh, see it, and I'm not going to like camp out like Jeff would for like Cloverfield or Godzilla. Oh my God! By the way, oh oh shit! I I I, I, I tried to watch that on Netflix last oh. night. I couldn't do it. Oh my God! It is yeah, it's awful. Okay. It's pretty. It's pretty rough. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. <laughs> it's pretty rough. Okay, good. I was gonna, I, Steve. I was gonna actually try. To, that's what my video thing was gonna be about. Was was oh. was was talking about that because I know we won't, and quite honestly, nor should we. But go on. Okay. So, 
<laughs> well, there you go. So anyway, I, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I, we really do would like to get some feedback from, from the listeners on this because, you know, you know, obviously, you know, Star Wars is a, a major, um, you know, cinematic impact on America. I mean, it's iconic, obviously. I mean, it's been around for, you know, shit, well over, you know, 40 years and it's still going. It's obviously got a following, but there are those of us of our generation that, I don't know, we, we, we may have some issues with what they're putting out and, you know, what's to come. So anyway, that was basically what we wanted to do with this show. We just really wanted to sit down, kind of talk about our experience, you know, growing up with Star Wars or those of us who were already grown up with Star Wars came out and just kind of talk about it. So anyway, folks, there you go. That is it with Man Cave Movie Review episode 220. Shit. Is this 223? What do I got here? I can't see. 223. Yes. Good Lord, 223. And you know what? I think Jeff, I correct me if I'm wrong, but it's right around here, here. I think we were either doing our very first podcast or was it about a week later? I have to go back and look. I have to uh, what is, are we in, no, this, Steve, this is right about it. This is about yeah. it. Yeah. This is about the time period that we. In which year? 2012. Oh, God. We're getting old. Damn. And I will I put in a plug for if there's any new listeners, dig back in the archives. There's a lot of little gems hiding back there and also a whole lot of lumps of coal. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of lumps of coal and a few gems. And I'll tell you what, if you want to know what the gems are, uh, just uh, feel free to uh, uh, put us on, uh, or give me a message on Facebook or just post something on there. I'll tell you what the good gems are. And actually, if you really want to have a lot of fun, go listen to some of the uh, the Snafu episodes or what I refer to as our blooper clips. Those are classic, which we haven't done in a long time. And I guess it's just because we've gotten so good we don't have blooper clips anymore. Is that what it is? That must is that what it is? That must be it. That must be it. <laughs> Or, or, you know, we've just gotten so bad where I can't even put this on air anymore. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go, folks. That is it with episode 223. We are going to be out for uh, about another week or so. We will come back with another great and fantastic Man Cave movie review. Until next time, ciao.